You're listening to And what is poppin' everybody? Welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club episode 91 for Thursday, February the 10th, 2022. It is the episode before Valentine's Day, so let me take this chance to say happy Valentine's Day to my co-host, um, self-proclaimed professional Asian American just you. Hello, happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> happy Valentine's Day, Marvin, and uh, to all those who celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> and happy Valentine's Day to... Our professional culture editor, Hong Wen. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day. I have saved <laughs> something to talk about, especially for it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at this year. I think I know what it is. <laughs> yes. Oh, well, you might say the film we're talking about this week is also thematically appropriate. Some might even say it's a tale as old as time. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, this week we'll be discussing the new Japanese animated feature film, Bell, which has been getting a lot of buzz lately as this year's uh, prestige anime film going to awards season. Um and yeah, um, man, I came in with no expectations and I I was not expecting the film that we got. It yeah, was an I, experience. <laughs> I think that says something. It's like even without expectations, you were still like surprised. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I do chalk it up to some of our like small American minds mm-hmm. um, and what we come with the preconceived notions we come in with animated films. Um, mm-hmm. But I've also seen movies from this director before i watched mirai which was lovely and mm-hmm. i'm just like oh this is different <laughs> yeah yeah it does a lot it's trying to do a lot well we're gonna dive in this film after the break but before we get to that let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week um let's get started with han what's popping all right as i alluded to i have something very romantic to talk to talk about uh i had the uh, pleasure of having an early screening of Marry Me. It is a rom-com starring J-Lo and Owen Wilson. Uh, the concept is that J-Lo is this mega superstar uh, musician, singer, dancer, you know, basically herself, um, who is about to marry the love of her life, a fellow uh, musician played by Maluma. Um, and right before... I think this is all in the trailer. I don't think I'm spoiling anything, but right before the big uh, live <laughs> um, streamed everywhere wedding, uh, <sighs> which is also slash concert together. Yes, because that makes so much sense. Yes, it's, it's this is what it's so over the top. It's wonderful. Um, she finds out that he cheated. And so she's in a daze and in the crowd, her eyes locks with Owen Wilson. Um, she she plays Cat. And he is Charlie. And, you know, because the, her big song she was going to sing with her, the love of her life, it's called Marry Me. He's holding a sign called Mar- that says Marry Me on it. He's there with his daughter. Um, and so she's like, sure. Instead of marrying this guy who, you know, I have a relationship with, but he just cheated on me. I'm going to marry this random dude. I don't even know his name. And so they do on stage in front of everyone. And then afterwards, she's kind of like, you know, uh, I think I'm just going to keep on being married to him. At least just get to know him. She's like, I'm not pretending that he's like my love of my life, but all the other bad relationships I've had means that I'm doing something wrong. So let's try something different. And that is the plot. Uh, he is a math teacher. And he is not just a math teacher, but he's, uh, he is the coach for the mathletes um, to go to the math line. And um, his daughter is one of the mathletes. 
Okay, so I'm <laughs> going to ask you the same question that um, my girlfriend asked me when we first heard about this film, which was after we heard the song that goes with this film that's mm-hmm. playing top 40 like every 10 minutes um, on the radio. Does this work? <laughs> you mean as as a pairing, a romantic pairing? Yeah. Does the does does <sighs> like Owen Wilson, J Lo? Does it work? It it it. I, here's a tough thing to say. I overall enjoyed the movie. It's a very solid, over the top, ridiculous rom com, as the logic of rom coms do. Um, I didn't necessarily feel the chemistry. Um, I actually do tend to think that Owen Wilson is funnier usually than he was in this film, maybe because he was just a math teacher. Um, He did get a couple funny lines, but overall there wasn't as much comedy in his personality as there was in the situation. So in a weird way, I felt like he was tamped down. Um, Not to say that if he was his usual comedic self, that would have helped. It might not have. But I should have gone with the other Wilson brother. I do like Luke Wilson (laughs) in a lot of roles. Um, I, Here's the thing. The other thing. I felt that um, J-Lo, you know, she's, she does some pretty good acting in a lot of her films. I thought she brought some good emotional beats here. Like when she looks de- devastated, like her gorgeous face is like, oh, it's okay, J-Lo. Um, but it's, I didn't get that same amount of feeling from Owen Wilson's character. So, but, you know, whatever. It, it, I didn't need the realism for me to just enjoy it. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think maybe some people will think I'm crazy and be like, oh, my God, I totally fell for it. This was just so affecting. So that didn't get it for me. But, you know, it, because I watch all manner of rom-coms, I think maybe I I give this one a pass as far as just the chemistry goes and the rest of it is fine. You know, um, like I said, it starts off really over the top. So it doesn't necessarily get more realistic later. Um, it is very much a, uh, you know, like any sort of commoner <laughs> with a superstar, um, the way that their lives meld together. I'm like, that wouldn't work. So, uh, <laughs> just- culture clash. It's too bad we couldn't see the superior version of this, which is Starstruck season two, because that's locked behind BBC three for the time being. Oh, <laughs> so excited for that. All the stuff we're getting from England is just like, oh, man. But you know what? When it gets here, it gets here. I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I I think I even watched Starstruck season one through the whole way because it's so short. Again, it's it's really a movie length. It's like two and a half yeah. hours. So I watched which is like it twice. what all movies take <laughs> yeah. now. I do I do have to say this was not a Dune length movie. The, uh, for a rom com, it was actually rom com length. I was so shocked. Um, so I appreciated that. Like we so talked about like, the tight ninety. Um, I think it's more of like 110, 114. So, but still fine. Um, they here here's the other thing. It's um Marry Me, as Marvin is knows and he's a big fan of, is the song <laughs> that J Lo sings in the movie, but also she sings several songs. So they're gonna be pushing the soundtrack hard. Um, like that like this is her I mean, she's also pr- uh, a producer on this, but um yeah, this is a very much a showcase for her, which is, yeah. you know. I mean, say I, what you will about the movie overall. J-Lo, I think, has proven time and time again that even against, like, a rock, she can act like no way to yeah, business. Yeah, she's oh, fine. Yeah. But I think after, J-Lo has yeah. great, she's a great leading lady in a rom-com, but, like. Yeah, yeah but, but after seeing her with uh, 
uh, McConaughey, it's kind of hard to be like <laughs> Owen Wilson. Um, yeah, or like even Ray Fiennes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, like right. Made in Manhattan's pretty good. Also, good for her to have her other, other love interest be basically a 28-year-old. Um, Maluma! So. Maluma. Yeah, but, and but, and, good and for they, look, they look hot gorgeous together. together. Really yeah. good that, together. That makes yeah. more sense. But like, you know, it's fine. Owen Wilson needs um, what the, the, the child support money. <laughs> so you make that bank, Owen Wilson. Yeah. It's, it's probably like, what, like, yeah. a, like, a, like a 30 day shoot. It's like probably based in L.A. Like, yeah. it's chill. <laughs> there, I mean, it was a lot, but there are a few uh, cameos. So like a couple supporting roles. Uh, Michelle Buteau. Oh, I love her. Yeah. Um, she doesn't get enough to do. Um, Sarah Silverman, who gets a lot to do. And then Jamila Jamil has a very, 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 very tiny role. But um, also, weirdly, a lot of Jimmy Fallon. Oh, uh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. You like, I was willing to give a shot. And no, I He I plays himself. No. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very clearly because she's a star. She is like, there's Hoda um, that, you know, certain people play themselves. Um, <laughs> Sounds and, like this movie yeah. also played itself. With its <laughs> Good it's, one, Marvin. It's a perfectly fine film uh, for a rom-com. And it's, you know, since it's, it'll be out in time for Valentine's Day, like, if you're going to risk um, going out to the theater, you shouldn't, you won't be terribly disappointed, I don't think. so. <laughs> you know what? Mask <laughs> mandates are being lifted on the 16th. So if there's any time to go and be relatively safer, it's probably now. I'm yeah. trying to see what else is coming out on Valentine's Day. Like, is there a horror movie I can watch instead? Oh, I'd rather watch Death on the Nile murder <laughs> with uh, with um, with like <laughs> with, the, with all the oh, bad people with all the terrible. Yeah. Like, ooh, you. Man, this one, this one, this one's hard. Like Al Gadot, Army Hammer, Letitia Wright. Ooh, I I got invited to that too, but I was like, I need someone to go with me, and I just couldn't get anyone to go with me. So I I feel like I'd rather watch Jackass forever. Oh no, no, no! You should watch this over Jackass. Like it, yeah. It, it's 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 a perfectly fine rom com. All right. <laughs> Um, anyway. I'll go next because I feel like um, Jess's yes. topic yes. is kind of a catch-all. Yes. So like I mentioned before, I recently reacquired a PS4. So I've been spending a lot of my free time catching up on games that have been on my backlog for the last four or five years. I have tons of 100-hour immersive sims that I need to you know, just plow through. Um, but I also want to play some new games. So this past weekend, I decided to start a new 100-hour immersive sim. Um, I started playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, which is the seventh game in Sega's Yakuza series. For people who don't know, the Yakuza series is a long-running series of open-world adventure games um, starring mostly former members of the Yakuza who go around a fictional Japan um, based on real-life locations um, and solve noir mysteries. Uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon is the first game in the series that doesn't feature long-running series protagonist Kazuma Kiryu. Instead, you have a brand new character named Kasuka Ichiban, who kind of has a similar Mm -hmm. origin story to Kazuma. Um, So the story goes, uh, Ichiban is a low-ranking member of a Yakuza clan who decides to take on a murder rap for a senior member of his clan because he's loyal to his Yakuza family. 
18 years later in 2019, when he finally gets released from prison, he finds that his family has abandoned and betrayed him. And so he finds himself dropped in Yokohama to fend for himself. And the story follows him and his companions as he starts unravel a growing mystery and conspiracy that involves his former clan head. Uh, I put in quite a few hours over the weekend and I had the best of intentions to stick to the story and get through the game as fast as possible uh, so I could move on with my life. Um, but unfortunately, um, so the Yakuza games are best known for their plethora of side activities <laughs> uh, because the game does take place in Japan's many entertainment districts. There's a lot of side activities like um, bowling, batting cages, karaoke, uh, mini kart racing. Uh, dating sims where your character works at a host bar mm -hmm. and so there's plenty of stuff to distract you from completing the main story and I was actually doing pretty good staying on task until I hit chapter 5 and unlocked what can only be described as the capitalism minigame uh, where Ichiban inadvertently finds himself the president of a Japanese sweet store and is tasked with managing <laughs> it in a management sim minigame where it's half worker placement minigame and half um simulated shareholder real-time battles mm. and in the blink of an eye i had sunk five hours into the mini game my small <laughs> confections company has become a multi-billion yen holdings company um ichiban now not only owns the sweet store but also restaurants business parks stadiums mm. uh, a marketing firm why don't you just do it for real stocks and make money <laughs> <laughs> well because with this i can play through uh, many quarters in like an hour so <laughs> The numbers go up really fast, whereas in real life, we play stocks. Um, the numbers go up real slow, and sometimes they don't go up at all. Mm. Wah, wah. Everything <laughs> sounds like a game. The stock market in real life sounds like a game to me. And this is a trap that I've fallen into in past Yakuza games as well. But in addition to all the silly side activities that you can do, um, the Yakuza games have always had really strong storytelling as well, um, weaving noir tales of the Japanese underworld depicting clashes between rival gangs, the authorities, politicians, and what starts off as seemingly random acts of violence or a turf war or a murder always seems to end up being part of a larger conspiracy involving land rights, building permits. Um, I think in the third game, it was arm smuggling through the U.S. military presence in Okinawa. Mm. This is what you do for fun? Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I love a good noir storyline, and the Yakuza games definitely scratched that itch if I could only make it through the story and not get distracted by all the side activities. Um, what's really interesting about the series is it's actually pretty um, sex positive in terms of its depiction of sex workers, though you still get some Japanese-style shenanigans. Um, a lot of the side activities are actually um, the main character, um, Kiryu Ichiban, going around um, the entertainment districts and exploring the many different fetishes and kinks um, in Japanese culture. Um, like there's one side quest where you come across a um, hostess club where the customers are there um, to wear diapers and be treated like babies. Marvin is truly a, a renaissance <laughs> man. <laughs> Just Yeah. So I think if you've been a fan of the series, you've probably already played this game since it's been out for two years. But if you're not familiar with it, and if anything I just said um, sounds even remotely interesting, um, I check it out. I think the game is now available on PlayStation, Xbox, and also the PC through Steam. Um, it's been out for two years, so there's probably some sort of anniversary bundle you can get at a discount. 
but it's definitely worth checking out, um, especially if um, you've been sad about being cooped up at home because of COVID and dream of visiting Japan. Um, mm. The locations in this game are they are fictional versions of real life places in Japan. So they have a fictional version of Kabukicho from Shinjuku um, called Kamurocho, uh, a fictional Dotenbury huh. in Osaka called Sotenbury. And the fun thing is the game has a lot of licensed branded materials. So you can buy like Boss Coffees and Suntory Oolongs. Uh, one mm. sad part about this most recent game is it seems like they lost the license to Don Quixote. So you oh. can't visit Don Quixote anymore like you did in the past games and yeah. listen to that theme song. But other than that, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun. Now that I finished the Capitalism minigame, I'm back on the straight and narrow and finish this game and move on and with the rest of my catalog <laughs> unless I start a new game. Between now uh, and capitalism then. was the side quest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's what's popping for me. Jess, what's popping? It's a stand up and salute the flag, motherfuckers. <laughs> it's the fucking Olympics. Dun, dun. The Winter Olympics, which let's be honest, is the one that less people care about. Mm -hmm. But you know, we got some High octane events. We got we got um figure skating. That's always fucking fun and heartbreaking. We have um new ski events. Like I don't honestly know the actual like technical name. I call it big scary ski jump. <laughs> there, mm -hmm. There's like a new thing where it's big scary ski jump. And then um, you know, we got some favorite faces coming back. Uh Sean White's competing again. Chloe Kim is coming to defend her gold medal. And like, let's be real. It's a fucking Asian domination, baby. And like Norwegians too. Like Norwegians do very, very, the Scandinavians. But in the sports we care about, it is an Asian domination, both American and international. Mm -hmm. There's some like really interesting shit going on this mm -hmm. year. Okay, number one, let's just get out of the way. Coverage about China during the Olympics, terrible. Always terrible. Always like borderline tinge racist shit. American Western media doesn't know how to fucking talk about this shit without sounding like dumb and ignorant. And we've already had like three or four like terrible headlines or like racist images, like whatever. It's always like a really fraught time if you're like Asian or like specifically Chinese American because they love to like vilify China. And like most a lot of dumb people can't differentiate between Chinese government and policies and Chinese people. So, yes, uh, let's get that out of the way. But but Nathan Chen from Fremont, California, baby. He's mm -hmm. fucking killing it. He just, um, he's, not only is he getting a, his redemption arc because he totally biffed it in the 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang. He is the reigning uh, figure skater male. Like, like, apparently he's like won 15 out of the last 16 competitions, like won gold. He's like kind of the, been dominating the last four seasons in the Olympics. And he just broke the record for a short program. He's fucking incredible. The outfits could be better, Nathan. Could be better, Vera Wang. I'm sorry. It's boring. <laughs> you look like you're wearing PJs. Let's make it a little more fabulous. His shorts program outfit did look like he might have been tuxedo mask, though. <laughs> like, then at that point, give me full tuxedo mask. Mm -hmm. Give me a white eye mask. Mm -hmm. Give me a cape. Give me satin. It looked like fucking pajamas, Marvin, okay? Mm -hmm. Male figure skating costumes used to be a lot more fabulous. They all fucking, like, decided, like, to tone it down. Like, why? You're a fucking male figure skater. You're a world-class athlete. Fucking own it. Um, Do you prefer the sparklies, then? Yes, the sparkly <laughs> and the sheer, and not black. Oh. Every all the dudes just wear black now. It's like, why? Mm -hmm. It's so fucking boring. Like, mm -hmm. who gives a shit? What people? You're a fucking world class figure skater, and you could probably like 
trot like Charlie Horse kick that fucker <laughs> to oblivion if anyone dares to make fun of you because you're that like swole, you know? Like it's incredible athleticism. So like who gives a shit? There was one pair skater who looked like he was wearing a black t-shirt, red long shirt combo, which just turned out to be just one like long sleeve shirt with different mm-hmm. colors. You know what? We like jeans, <laughs> you know. I want a little more yes. fabulosity. But <laughs> yeah. he's doing great. He's gonna he's basically unlocked because his main competitor they basically the one who was like the biggest threat who was the jap you know japanese superstar the one with the baby face he he's the one famous because people like throw him winnie the pooh dolls (laughs) very cute he literally like is just so famous he can't walk around in japan he like cannot walk in public so he like literally just goes into hiding and i mean if anything's going to defeat nathan chen it's going to be tara lipinski and johnny we're constantly telling us that this is his redemption arc this is him coming yeah. back from his utter failure. But it from- is. But it is. And, you know, they cut that fucking trailer and it's like so sad. Like, because not only he fell like multiple times in his short program in 2018, it was bad. It was like really bad. Um, There's some drama too. like, oh, U- Team USA already won the team event for figure skating and won the silver. Should we pour uh, out for um the other Asian American guy who uh, did not make the finals? Vincent yeah. Zhao had got COVID and like couldn't compete. Devastated. Um, he is young enough where I think he could do another round. Men tend to have a little bit longer in the sport as well. Like, what did you think of his costume? Because his was very on the nose. His I am was a China. little more fabulous, <laughs> which I appreciated. But you know, it's sad. Like he didn't get to skate. And then Karen Chen did the shorts program, women's program for I forgot it was shorts or free skate. She did both, I think. Uh, she did a great job and you know cinched it. She did she did fabulous. Also another NorCal Bay Area Asian American <laughs> girl, like just dominating. Um, and then you know, Chloe Kim skate is snowboarded today. She very easily made the qualifying round. She's gonna skate for a medal, uh, or snowboard for a medal on Thursday. And as my friend Reb likes to say, in this house, we stand Chloe Kim. <laughs> and then probably the most controversial let's talk about it the eileen goo of it all marvin do you know who eileen goo is i have heard about this on the internet she Mm -hmm. is a skier she does the big scary ski jump trick thing who is she's 18 she is she's an american citizen born raised in america but is competing for china uh raised by a single chinese mother tiger mom she, I believe, is biracial, though, but speaks fluent Mandarin. She's also a model, and she's going to Stanford. And she unexpectedly won gold in the inaugural big ski jump trick event. And I have, I'm very happy for her. She looked very pleased, but at the same time, like, I kind of hate everything she represents and the fact that, like, she's, like, she's going to be used as an example of how tiger momming works and how <laughs> if you wanted to, you could be a model slash Stanford student slash gold champion skier and fluent in Mandarin. And I was just like, please, no, no, my mother does not need to know about her. You know, at this point for your mom, I think it's kind of too late for you, though. So you, you can rest right, easily. Right? This but is, yeah. It's that's like, you know, remember when we had to like contend with like astronaut Dr. Marine Johnny Kim? This is like the female version of that. And like Johnny Kim, for as like accomplished as he is, like there's also another layer with like Asian women. Like you got to do all this while looking very attractive. And Ilingu is literally a model. <laughs> 
<sighs> I did catch some of the big scary ski jump. And what caught me by surprise <laughs> most is that they're holding the the event in what looks like a industrial park with what might be nuclear power plant stacks. I mean, that's just Beijing aesthetics, honestly. Um, it's also just like she she came back from being behind like she came from third to first unexpectedly like it was not a lock-in that she was going to win the gold and she was very emotional and in my head i'm just like my little honestly my little bitch ass head is like you showing too much emotion that's not very chinese of you (laughs) come on you american girl you american but the you know the discourse around her is both very racist and also kind of funny because i saw a tiktok where it's like oh when you keep t- when you tell Chinese people to go back to China, and they do. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was, was like, yeah, waiting that's true. For that. It's true. Like you tell us to go back to China, and I bitch mean, didn't want them a gold medal. I'm sure the motherland is very, very happy for her. Oh, she's gonna make so much bank in like just general. Like she's huge in China already. Like she's that perfect amount of like she's a perfect like cute like just white mm-hmm. enough where like those bitches love that shit. Those bitches being like terrible Chinese the terrible parts of Chinese society yeah which is the reverse of that poor girl that fell during the shorts program for mm-hmm. figure skating and got yeah, skewered yeah she also gave up her American citizenship yep. and crashed into the wall and basically like she should just not be on the internet right now yeah that's the problem when you do decide to go back to compete for China you better compete and be at that level yeah but see that's kind of better is that better or worse than being in America winning gold and then getting racist shit too because that's what happens when you're Asian and you win for America it's it's true but now she's getting hate from everywhere (laughs) so I'm like just come back to this California no one no one will know who you are you're fine girl you're fine yeah I felt for her as when I saw I I did too these they're all babies like Mm -hmm. it's hitting me more so this time around like literally even the oldest figure skater well you know the very Yuzu the very beloved Japanese figure skater he's like already like a veteran and like old he's 27 I'm like fuck these kids i'm just they're children i'm like like because the french girl who lost the gold in big super scary ski jump tricks um was like start start crying because again she like Mm. she was expected to win she had she was the gold medal and gold medal winner at the x games and she like lost in the last run you know like so she was like pretty upset and like was crying and i was like this feels wrong like don't show her crying. She's she's like 17. Like, let her oh, cry. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. also been a year of COVID, and they've still been trying to train with COVID and, like, get here. Like, let the girl cry in peace. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why people should leave the internet. Also, the theme of <laughs> the film we're going to talk about yes. after the break. Yes. It, yes, and you could totally cut this, but, like, I fucking love the Olympics. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> You can't use this, Marvin, because NBC's gonna see you. Dun, no, dun, you're you're dun, way dun, off dun, key, dun, so it's dun, fine. They won't catch us. The algorithm wow, won't work. Wow, oh, you know what? You're welcome. You're welcome <laughs> for not getting us. Uh, well, <laughs> well. By the time you guys hear this episode, you will know whether or not Nathan Chen won as he was supposed to, or you know, if Chloe Kim is gonna get another gold medal. <laughs> so we're gonna project this in the world. Congratulations, Go Asian, and um, yeah. No matter what happens, you're heroes to us. 
All right. Well, that's what's popping for this week. When we come back, we're taking a journey on a big internet whale as we dive into the new Japanese animated film, Bell. We'll be right back. Hey, Ryan, what's black and white and red all over? I don't know, Robin. Two nuns having a chainsaw fight? Dude, inappropriate. Come on, man. This is supposed to be a podcast promo for our secret underground podcast, Quarantine Comics. Oh, yes. Quarantine Comics, the weekly comic book club where I, ace reporter Ryan Joe, and I, mild-mannered Robin Sutton, team up to discuss some of comics' greatest works. Or just some really cool comics that we've been wanting to read. From Alan Moore to Uzumaki. From Arrakis to Zendaya. From Adrian Tomine to Jean Luniang. You might might not have heard of half the stuff that we're reading. Or the other half is just pop culture superhero stuff. They could just read the books with us, Ryan. Yes, they could do that, but you could also just send us money. No, Ryan, that's not how passion podcast projects work. Why in the hell are we even doing this? Uh, I'm sure we'll be back by next week's episode. <clears throat> so, tune in each week to Quarantine Comics. That's qtdcomics.com. Set phasers to fun. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Uh, this week, we're talking all about the new Japanese animated feature film, Bell, also known as The Dragon and the Freckled Princess in Japan. Uh, it is a 2021 film that premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Um, it's produced by Studio Chizu and directed by Mamoru Hosoda, um, who also directed the acclaimed um, Studio Chizu films Mirai and Wolf Children. The film is a sci-fi tale um, taking place in a near-future Japan uh, following Suzu, a 17-year-old high school student who lives in um, the countryside of Japan. Uh, Suzu suffers from severe social anxiety and probably PTSD caused by uh, witnessing the death of her mother at a young age. Um, And she finds refuge by logging into Yu, which is a smartphone app that transports her into a virtual reality uh, metaverse where she takes up an avatar named Belle. Um, In this virtual world, she finds that she can use her voice to sing for the first time um, since her mother's death and somehow becomes one of the most popular, I guess, virtual pop stars in the Yu, um, which helps her gain confidence, I guess, as her virtual alter ego one day, one of her concerts is interrupted by a very anime cyber fight between some self-proclaimed internet cops and a very angry dragon man uh, known as the Beast that triggers Belle's um, curiosity. And that's yes. when this film suddenly becomes Cyber Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> Eventually. It took a little, yes. <laughs> it took a little while. Yes. Yes. And uh, then in the third act, <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, so... I came into this film pretty cold. Um, I knew that it was an anime film that was getting a lot of buzz as this year's, you know, prestige anime feature um, following um, following the likes of Mirai and Your Name. Um, but I wasn't aware that it was an adaptation. Um, did either of you know that this was Beauty and the Beast? Same. I don't know what I was expecting. Um, I was not expecting this. <laughs> It's very hard to explain. Um, as just evidenced by your attempt to summarize, give a synopsis. Uh, yes, director and movies trying to do a lot of things. I actually think overall pretty effective. Um, but definitely somewhat of a hurdle to get over. Like a, I think a Western movie mindset, specifically a Western animated movie mindset, which is 
pretty linear and pretty straightforward because we do aim it at kids or families. And this was something different. <laughs> I mean, I went in kind of expecting like a Japanese prestige animated film along lines like a Studio Ghibli or mm-hmm. like a, a Your Name where yeah. a lot yeah. of like kind of a slower pace but more like like, of, like more subtle because I've yeah. seen Mirai and it, there is sci-fi elements it's basically he's like the characters time traveling and meeting like different members of his family but still very like subtle very mm-hmm. sweet very Ghibli-esque and then I mean half of this movie is definitely that and then the other half is like a Lizzie McGuire pop concert, but like in the metaverse. <laughs> That's like the best I can explain. Let, it. Let's let's yeah, let's talk about that because that sort of uh, aspect of the movie in itself before we kind of delve into the other stuff because there's a lot going on. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean the film opens up in like what is pretty much the metaverse, right? This is probably um, Zuckerberg's wet dream. Like he's he saw this film and said, "I want to make that." And, Change the company's name to Meta, and I gotta say, um, so the metaverse of you as you first see it is like this big sprawling like digital world. It's kind of more Tron than like the Matrix, um, with a lot of different avatars. Um, mm-hmm. but the backgrounds were all pretty. I gotta say, not that exciting. And I was actually kind of worried that it was gonna be like this for the whole movie. It, yeah. But then we reverted back to the real world with all those lush backgrounds, and I was like, okay, this is this yeah. is nice. I, I think that yeah, I think at first because you're trying to maybe sell the idea of this meta world that they kind of push the sci-fi a little bit, and it's kind of like there there's sort of an aimless floatiness, like. Where's the floor? It doesn't matter. Is that a building or is it part of the world? Like, I just like there's a lot of kind of just like it's vibes, you know? Yeah, it's vibes, but also like five minutes of exposition right off the bat. Yes, 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 yes. Like, here's your name. And and through your cell phone, you get a biometric scan. And that scan will then create your personage your yeah. uh, your avatar yeah, in the and i have notes tutorial. and questions about that <laughs> later that i would like to um ask but yes yeah, so we can get back to that yeah um, and so i mean i guess in that way you know especially as supposed to like maybe magnify the things that they like the biometric scan knows about you and so that's why you know suzu who becomes bell because suzu which i'm sure none of us are pronouncing it right means bell i think or a type of bell cricket um, but, uh, so yeah, so it makes her into basically allows her be, to be the singer that she should be. Right. Um, and that's a big deal. Cause that's why it becomes a Lizzie McGuire concert. Um, but so I thought that was kind of cool. It's a nice idea, but I also think it's like, what the fuck, what do they have against freckles? Like as a freckled Asian, you know, <laughs> I have to say they're, they're constant harping on like the fact that she has freckles. They're like, She's kind of attractive, but what about those freckles? And I'm just like, oh my god. I mean, I feel like as a freckled Asian, Japan. you should know by now. Yeah. No, I know, yeah. I know, but still, it, it in those aspects, it's that's when it's like unsubtle. I have to say, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. beauty standards in animated Japanese anime specifically is still kind of a step or two behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they they still can't escape the trappings of like here is what beauty is and here's how we make comments about it. Um, To a certain extent, that works a little bit according to the themes um, of this movie, which is like whoever you are is supposedly not how people perceive you. Um, But they do still talk about like goodness being beautiful. Um, And which I also have a problem with. (laughs) Um, 
And uh, and of course, you know, everyone is conventionally attractive. <laughs> uh, like everyone in anime is a good looking here, <laughs> so, practically. Um, so it was kind of like, is she supposed to be unattractive? I was like, she's just a schoolgirl. What's she supposed to be I mean, hot? that's I was, like, the she's, same yeah. with any yeah. teenage melodrama. Right. She's ever. 14 or whatever she is. So I was just like, okay, I don't... Anyway, yeah. but yeah, yeah. So it's fine because that's part of the the landscape of buying into the um the the themes of you know being who you are and popularity. She's very, um, she's very self conscious about not being who she maybe wants to be, and so she's shy. She doesn't put herself out there. She can't sing. She can't use her voice. And so clearly, you know, this movie has to help her find her voice again. Well, yeah, because after the intro in Internet World, we're taken back to. The real world where Suzu is a shy, reserved girl, still obviously suffering through the trauma of her mother's loss. And we get the up flashback. Okay, I was like not expecting that at all. Again, I thought I was like, okay, like I can vibe with this. Like I can vibe with like the, the digital Hatsune Miku pop star thing. I can I can buy into like this exposition of the metaverse, even though like in real life, I'm very against this whole idea of metaverse. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like. Or like, and then and then I'm like, oh no, traumatic death of parent. Like, what? Is this it was it was traumatic, man. Like she was watching it, like little girl, like she's like begging her mom not to do it, and <laughs> it, well, you, yeah, it was really rough. But also, what I thought was interesting because, like, clearly they're also talking about like the evils of social media. People were cruel right afterwards. Oh my like, god! They're like, "Why was she abandoning her?" Yes, that was really. Which I thought up. was in- so. Yeah, I have to say, there were certain parts that were really annoying and hard for me to watch. But I think again, that was the point of, like, especially like how much she cared about other people's opinions. I was just like, "Girl, be like your best friend." Um, best friend is <laughs> oh, awesome. Love the best the- friend. Yeah, the- she was fantastic. The one thing I didn't like about her because I did like how she was straight talking and like I'm going to help you and all of this other good stuff, but then she has a weird like crush on her teacher. I was just like, gross. Um anyway, Japan baby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Can't get there away from video it. games about that, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, her, I loved how her best friend would call her like, well, you're so gloomy. It's <laughs> like, why would anyone be, you know, think she's like, people popular. like you because of your music, okay? Like, yeah. okay, like, and because I'm an amazing producer. Yeah, yeah, she's such a she's Oh my God, she, I love her so much. So, I mean, it, I think there are so many interesting parts of that. And, and when it comes to popularity, also, they're not wrong about a lot of these things. So just because I didn't find it pleasant doesn't mean it's not correct i mean yeah i mean we mentioned it um tongue-in-cheek earlier but this film in addition to being about like the beauty and beast story where like beauty is on the inside and um you can't you can't judge, judge a, a book, book, by, book its cover. by its cover and you it's, have to be nice and don't know what people are going through it's also yes. an allegory on internet culture and i kind of appreciated that this was mm-hmm. a story about the internet without being meta no pun intended mm-hmm. right there wasn't a tongue-in-cheek like internet jokes or memes or like callbacks to like doge or whatever this was a very straightforward like they didn't focus on like check it out the internet right there there wasn't any like nice nice moment it was just very much like you hey here are the ways the internet kind of sucks you mean it wasn't a free guy (laughs) (laughs) it was it was a very interesting nuance kind of exploration of internet culture and how it can connect or like totally destroy people which um, I thought it was even visualized really well, right? With like this wall of text and like the really cool animation. And, and I do the think that's... internet cops. 
Internet, oh. co- uh, yes, and it's it's something that's something I feel like you really animated movies are so well suited to do this kind of visualization or like world building because, like, you know how you know how like I feel like live action movies still have not really like a hundred percent figured out how to show or incorporate like social media internet culture into like narratives like you sometimes like you either get the screen like the little like pop-up or you get the voiceover and both of them are kind of weird right like it's not the most visually attract pleasing thing to be watching or to move plot along but when bring it into a physical digital space like the uverse is it the called the uverse it's you yeah the you the you which looks like uh, uber know. to us you know yeah. on, on <laughs> the really app cool it's really cool <laughs> yeah and i do like the fact that we do get the smash of that more like traditional like romantic style of like hand-drawn style animation and this more like flashy bright epilepsy causing like <laughs> yeah. you know like digital stuff i i, I thought that was very like it, the distinction mm-hmm. between the two worlds was very cool and yeah, very well I done. Fe- and both beautiful. I feel like the style was definitely hand drawn, but I think the entire film is CG, right? I don't know what that means anymore. Uh, yeah, I feel like everything is enhanced by, and you can still create hand drawn through CG. And so, but yeah. I do understand what you mean by some of it looks like traditional cell style animation that it um but the other stuff does look like created like not a person who created like uh <laughs> the look of it but just like through put it through some sort of like yeah. machine um and they both yeah you're right they both look good and i think when things shift from one to the other and there are a lot of interesting textural surprises in that universe that i really enjoyed so um visually it was it kept me going <laughs> i have to um, say yeah question question about the universe i'm gonna ask it now it's supposed they make it a certain point to tell you over and over again that your avatar is you and they scan your biometrics and it's like the height of technology what the fuck are the people who are all those like blobby animals in the universe like that's well like, at, at one point like okay we haven't talked about whoever is the beast yet but at one point some of the little tiny blobbies they said we're AI. Whatever that means. No, those are the little fairy blobbies. We're talking yeah, about yeah. like the like anthropomorphic the, like when you see the like big world. Yeah, when you yeah. see the big world and there's like just random like blobby But but, but agreed. I, well, first of all, what makes a person an animal? Because there's literally legit right? a whale. There's so many. Yeah. There, and there's a lot of like non-human so, avatars. So is there a whale in real life who got That's into just the using I think the, the whale was a internet being that just has like i think the whale is just a perform like the whale was pretty much a stage right it's yeah. just a performance but, platform but like why like is her friend a bird with a hat like i'm so confused like what who gets to be humanoid yeah, and who gets yeah, to be exactly like why does she get to be a hot girl and like her friend <laughs> is a bird with a hat like if i was given an avatar and it's like hey you're this disgusting creature with an ugly hat i'd be like Fuck you, universe, universe. It was just interesting. No, she's the heroine. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's so rude. So rude. Yeah. Hey, at least the bird with the hat is better than the baby. Uh, It's just like, (laughs) I wouldn't want to be a baby in there. But she Um, chose to be a baby. Well, that's the other question I had because they were like, why would you choose to be a baby? I'm like, wait, you can choose? I thought the biometric (laughs) scan dictated because this is your true self. Maybe because stress is bad for the baby. What baby? Okay. I'm the baby. Yeah. I anyway, mean, the anyway, film, that, the film has a little quirk. The film has plenty of plot holes. 
Um, none more so than towards the end of the film. But we're not going to get that far here. Um, there are surprises, yes. Oh, yeah. we're not going to talk about the third act when the movie all of a sudden becomes about child abuse? <laughs> I mean, we just <laughs> talked about that now. But um, the first third of this film is kind of like like your standard coming of age rise of the pop star mm-hmm. type of story um uh, but then like i mentioned in the middle of the film one of her big concerts is interrupted by a big anime shonen fight between self-proclaimed internet cops and um a dragon They're, they call him beast in the film but in japanese they keep on ryu which means dragon, dragon yeah which was like i guess if you're not familiar with the japanese it wouldn't bother you as much as it did for me um but also really on the nose you have the beast and you have bell yeah i mean Um, a dragon is a beast so i get maybe why they didn't (laughs) go completely with that but uh but yeah like what did you think i mean i was not expecting this twist i don't know if you were han i know jess you definitely weren't but when she becomes interested in the beast and follows him to his castle, and it literally becomes a scene-for-scene scene remake <laughs> of Beauty and the Beast, the Disney movie. See, the actual interpretation, that part surprised me because I actually did go into this knowing it was Beauty and the Beast. That was literally the only thing I knew about this, and yet I was still surprised about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> because there's no way you cannot be surprised. But I do have to say, I did not think that they would go with those, like, beat by beat frames of Beauty and the Beast uh, callbacks to Disney's Beauty and the Beast. Um, However, I was curious. I'm actually a really big fan of Beauty and the Beast stories back from when I was a kid. Um, Because one of my favorite authors, uh, fantasy authors, wrote an an adaptation of Beauty and the Beast where, you know, Belle is, even before the Disney one came out, she was really big into books and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, I identify with her. And she wasn't as pretty as her sisters. And I'm like, yeah, you prove it. And whatever. Anyway, so um, I I feel in ways that Disney's Beauty and the Beast is very inspired by that book, but they don't say that. Anyway, um, so I was curious to see how they got her together with the Beast, because traditionally it has something to do with like her dad made a mistake and then he owes the Beast a favor. So when he she yeah. literally just kind of gets interested in him and then somehow gets whisked away because of a fight, you know, I was just like. Okay, that's not as dramatic as I thought it was going to be. I mean, I'm glad they didn't go with the Stockholm Syndrome storyline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to figure out something, but I still wanted it to be a bit more like it's her choice in some way versus him saving her. Because I was like, I don't like her him saving her. <laughs> I mean, in the film, it was her choice to seek him out because she senses, like, I guess it's one of those, like, yes. a broken soul senses another broken soul type yeah. of thing. Especially in the U. Like, she, she's very yeah. empathetic. And, you know, this beast, um, like we mentioned, is a dragon-like avatar in this world who wears a cape of bruises. Yeah, they kept calling him bruises, but it looked like um, just really nice uh, embroidery to me. Which, again, (laughs) not the most subtle film. I mean, that was already showing me, like, okay, obviously this is a kid who's being beat up by someone, right? Well, I was also curious, was that a good translation? Because that's the subtitle I got, right? And none of us Mm. speak Japanese. So I was just like, I don't know. And the none of us lose. watched the dub, which no interesting um, point when I was looking at the casting list. But um, Shinobu, the best friend slash love interest. I don't know. Like, there's this weird love triangle <laughs> we thing can going get to on that. that that like I, I have no idea what's going on. But 
Um, the childhood friend love interest is played by Mangiacinto, which now I'm curious what he sounds like in that role. Well, yeah, I, it said it. I had like, I don't know how long it expires. I don't know if I want to sit, sit through this again because I have a lot of work. But I was just like, well, if it's Manny, I can just put it on in the background and see if I can <laughs> like recognize his voice. And I think Chase Crawford plays uh, the Internet cop. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. You're right. Which in the, I guess that's good casting, too. Yeah, I think he'll right? be fun. He, I, I enjoy um, him. <laughs> so. What did we um, think about the internet cops? They were really annoying. Like, I mean, they even if you don't think of them as internet cops, but just like let's say the um, the the bullies on campus who are popular. You I know? mean, yeah, they're. I feel like they're. I mean, they're the allegory for people who police language on the internet, right? Yeah, yeah. It's basically just saying who gets to be what and who gets to do what. Um, and we're going to expose you if not. And yeah, it like literally they call it unveiling. So um, I, I really didn't enjoy that plot line. But again, it's just because I don't like them. <laughs> so um, I really I think as we were saying, like because of that, we wanted some better comeuppance. Um, for them. <laughs> so um, they were fine because, of course, this is a movie that encompasses a lot. And yeah, I feel like they don't. The fact that like they are not really in the first act, and then they're not really relevant within like the third act. I mean, it, in the wild. end, they're kind of a tool for mm-hmm. the climax of yeah. of the film. Um, but yeah, I mean, like we mentioned before, this film is the, this film is very allegorical in terms of like being about internet culture. Um, and it carries some pretty heavy themes, especially on how the internet treats tragedy as spectacle, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I actually kind of—I don't want to say I enjoyed that, but I did think that was really smart, and I and I felt that was something I haven't seen done well in an animated film. Um, first of all, because usually it's like glorified; it's like, "Yay, internet!" Um, but this one clearly had a lot to say. So, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed that they tried to do something with that in a way that made sense. All right. So, Jess, when we, before we began, you were kind of distraught about how this film ended up to be also about child abuse. Yeah. I mean, I was already pretty like, oh, trauma, like you watched your mom die, which like, which after no thinking about like okay this is a very common coming of age you know milestone in animated films like every disney movie wants to kill off a parent i'm like okay i i get that a little like shook at how they did it but then like you know bringing in a whole thing about um like child abuse and like you know uh trauma like that like and, and you know but like through this weird veneer of like Hatsune Miku s digital pop stardom. I'm like, this is totally very strange to me. <laughs> I mean, I kind of feel like it. It was like, a tonal shit, but I don't think mm-hmm. it was. I think in terms of what the film was trying to talk about, I don't think it was that left field. You know, like the- I, I honestly think the most jarring thing about this in it is it's weird because I actually did enjoy these parts. Was that I think the whole like pop star singing element is a little strange to me that seems either shoehorned in or like just a different movie altogether i wonder if it would have been more effective without that layer 
So I did read some commentary that the director originally intended this to be a musical, but because musical films are not that common in Japanese film, he decided to make it a more straight up drama, but he still wanted to keep the musical With that elements. device? Yeah. And the songs I, are pretty catchy, Those songs honestly. are really good. I mean, they slap. That's the thing. Like, <laughs> I enjoyed all the songs, but I'm just like, it just seems to be a little, what's the word? Like, I know what you when mean. Makes, I think are you saying that you've less... never been moved by the power of music? Well, I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't. You know, when you talk about okay, it's like it's like it's a musical that eventually evolves into themes about like trauma, grief, and child abuse. But the music has nothing to do with yeah. those things. No, I They're know. Just pop hits. I know what you mean. Like tonally and pace wise, it's kind of jarring. Kind of to, to make that shift. It's like Yeah, but I kind of feel like the songs were thematic though. Like the yeah. lyrics were pretty much it's yeah. her singing about stuff that's happening to her, whether it's to her mom or to this mysterious beast that she may or may not be falling in love with. Yeah. But it's like the veneer of this, like she's this like essentially the biggest pop star <laughs> yeah. like in the world. That there's like a Disney element that I can't get over. Because uh, that's a very Disney channel move to make your like I'm Hannah Montana, or I'm Lizzie McGuire, <laughs> and I'm a normal kid, but also I'm a pop star. And it's just like, it's a little strange. Like, that's what it made me feel. That element was definitely a little bit different. What I did enjoy, because I'm a, a fan, even though it wasn't like all consistent, and was of the 80s series of Robotech. <laughs> that was... Um, that was actually three different series smashed into one and, and then redubbed and whatever, all this other stuff in America. But that was like some, it was like mainstream TV that like my brothers and I uh, recorded. But one of the, the first series of it or season of it is um, literally a 16 year old girl becomes like the, the universe's big pop star because like they, uh, a whole ship gets sent into um into space and so they have to create a society and so the power of those songs like i still remember some of the american lyrics <laughs> i don't know who wrote that music but so that's why i was thinking like in a certain way i could see myself like young han watching this and being like oh wow and just kind of being like pulled in by the idea of like yeah music it just like brought they're all under her spell like maybe we don't get it but maybe because we're not in the you um but uh <laughs> i, I kind of in, in that way I, I was fine with it like usually i don't like a lot of crying people her being a little overwrought was okay with me um just because it was anime so <laughs> uh there are a lot of passes i give to anime <laughs> <laughs> i definitely liked all the characters in the quote-unquote real life parts of this film when it just becomes like a high school like drama me too i like that (laughs) part a lot i actually like you know the like kind of just you know like just seeing how she interacts with their dad and her friends and like going through school and just like the really pretty like still shots of like the town was really nice and the choir circle um i love you know band geek friend i loved canoe himbo like there's a lot of really great characters i like oh we love hot saxophone girl (laughs) yeah i also enjoyed the few times that they were talking about the other people in the U and because at some point they do try to unveil the beast and like through that like people try to put their detective hats on you know Uh, I kind of forgot about the whole doxing storyline in the middle of this mm -hmm. in the middle of this film (laughs) so much happiness (laughs) yes I, I 
I, I have to say, I think I like the whole internet stuff a lot more than I maybe previously thought in talking about it. Cause I was like, that stuff stuck with me. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, they really do try to like, I mean, first of all, you having the internet cop in just in and of itself, I'm just like, God, I hate him. But then also I was like, this is why we cannot have nice things. You've created this gorgeous world where everyone can like, it's a lie. They were like, you can't start over in real life, but you can here. And I was like, that kind of sucks as an idea. But, I you did, know, whatever. I guess it's a, it's a tagline. Fine. I did appreciate that Internet Cop was like this blonde Bishonen. Yeah. And he's always showing off all of his sponsors. Yeah. Oh, the sponsors was hilarious. Yeah. So I, I, I really liked that, even though it made me feel nervous and anxious <laughs> at times. Uh, yeah. I think there's a lot that they did. I think the real world stuff. I like the general Internet stuff. Um, it, it does go, I think, maybe like 20 steps further than we all expected. I mean, so. when the internet stuff goes into like the Beast's castle and it becomes mm-hmm. like this beautiful, like Disney slash Ghibli, like yeah. Vista, then I was like, oh, this is really beautiful. But like the yeah. normal, the normal internet world was just, just like brown buildings and like it was, large it was, bland landscapes. It was, it was little, it was otherworldly, but it wasn't as pretty as like the real world scenes. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, it was interesting how many different types of background they gave and um and because of the whole beast thing um as we've seen in various beauty and the beast versions you know he has all these helpers so you know he also had his helpers they were ais <laughs> apparently i just realized that space cop who's named justin <laughs> which is like the perfect space cop name mm-hmm. is also yeah is, is he is he the gaston he's the gaston right yeah yeah he's basically gaston um but who's I do there? want to touch on one more theme before we wrap up, which is like, what do we think the central lesson or theme of the film is? Because um, the way that I read it was when people do shitty things on the internet, they might have a tragic backstory behind it. So should we let them go for being shitty on the internet? What is our takeaway from this film? Hurt people, hurt people, Marvin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't never read the comment sections. Um, I think, I mean, I, I think as we kind of mentioned, it kind of goes in so many directions that there's probably more than one main theme even, which is weird to say, but I mean, I think one of them has to do with Suzu. So, which is like, uh, believe in yourself, finding, you know, you have to (laughs) dig deep to find the strength wherever that may be in yourself and your strength may come from pain. hate to say it. But um, and your experiences and don't discount that um, because, you know, the hot guy still likes you. Uh, so <laughs> even though you don't think he does, but he's now ready to you know, <laughs> date you <laughs> because you're, you are now ready. But uh, yeah, so I think that's part of it. A lot of it was just her her um, coming of age, her building's Roman. Um, yeah, there's that. There's the there's the coming of age, uh, finding strength in the people around you who love you for who you are, even though. You know, Suzu for much of the film yeah. is very like negative, she's, right? She she's just a wet blanket. Yeah. Always sees the <laughs> negative and everything. Oh, I think it's also about make understanding why the choices her the choice her mother made, mm-hmm. right? And and coming to terms with that. She was very young when she mm-hmm. her mom passed away, and she's just been like depressed ever since, and like withdrawn ever since. So I, you know, that's. Good for, happy for Suzu. Um, and just honestly, I do think it has a really, the movie overall has a really nuanced 
and layered and complicated take on just internet culture in general. Mm -hmm. Like it could be your greatest source of connection and courage and it can also be like a cesspool of evil mm -hmm. and that's what inter that's yeah. what any technology yeah. is right it's never the tech it's how we wield it and mm -hmm. the internet for better or worse has changed everything it's the best thing and the worst thing in the world yeah because people are the best and the worst exactly well said huh <laughs> that's why she gets that's why she gets paid to culture edit guys oh boy <laughs> all right so our final verdict is bell good pop I very much say it is. I think because we've gone through so many conversations, um, I think it will inspire tons more of conversations. Like we, we, like overall, yes, it's gorgeous, and I think they're highly enjoyable parts. Even the parts that I'm kind of iffy about, I'm just like, I'm still intrigued. <laughs> yes, I think it's great pop. It's also pushing. I think again, the uh, like Western audience about what animated storytelling can be. I, I'm still a fan of. The director Mamoru mm -hmm. Hosada. Um, you know, like, you know, I always say this I'd rather have you swing for the fences and miss <laughs> than give me something boring. So it's not boring. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was good pop as well. Um, I thought the music was amazing. Um, the animation was gorgeous, especially the scenes of the Japanese countryside and the Beast Digital Castle. Story wise, it definitely took some big swings and I think it landed more than it missed. Um, I really enjoyed watching the depiction of internet culture in the metaverse. I thought that part was really smartly done. And it's definitely a film that I would recommend um, to my friends. Um, so, yeah, that'll do it for our discussion of Bell. Um, it has a limited release right now at theaters, but definitely watch out for it when it comes out to streaming sometime soon um, if you don't feel comfortable going out to a theater. Uh, Jess Han, thanks for joining me in discussing Bell. Uh, if people want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go? My trash takes are on Twitter at JessJudeTweets. And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find our show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Asian-hosted podcasts by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to our show on the internet to talk about a movie about the internet. Um, <laughs> we'll be back next week to talk about the new Ali Wong comedy special. Um, so yeah, until then, we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Happy Valentine's Day. And Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah, whatever. I'm Phil Yu, and I'm the host of All the Asians on Star Trek, the podcast in which I interview all the Asians on Star Trek. I'm talking to actors, writers, directors, stunt people, background extras. You know, all the Asians on Star Trek. Find out more at alltheasiansonstartrek.com. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Live long and prosper.